Epsom salt baths will help with detox. Doing any sort of sauna therapy, especially infrared sauna, or doing hot cold therapy with a cold plunge. These are all things, anytime you sweat, living in Arizona is a great thing, um, but living in other parts of the country, especially if there's humid heat, that's kind of cool because then you really are getting a good, a good detox and you're not drying out. But sweating is a detox for your for your detox organs. So these are basic, but you don't have to have a fancy detox program to detox literally and support your organ, your liver every day. All right, my friends, it's Dr. Anthony Balduzzi, and I want to welcome you back to another episode here on the Fit Mother Project podcast. Today, we're joined by one of my friends and colleagues, Dr. Chris Wallace, who is a licensed naturopathic physician and yoga instructor with a passion for family medicine. I want to give you a little background on Dr. Chris, and if you're one of our Fit Mother All Access or Lifetime members, then you now have access to a brand new Fit Mother Yoga program that Dr. Chris so gracefully created for our community, which is absolutely amazing. And she is amazing as well. And one of the reasons we wanted to have her create this program is because she has such a deep background in health. And I want to give you some of her credentials and some of her passions before we launch into this conversation today. Dr. Chris graduated summa cum laude from Northern Arizona University with a master's degree in health psychology. And she began her career as a health educator, health coach, and uh, as a group fitness instructor for many, many years. And she has a passion for treating the whole person and really going through this entire complete journey to health, which eventually led her to get her doctorate of naturopathic medicine from the Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine in Arizona. She has over 20 years of experience, and she now practices naturopathic medicine and instructs yoga with a focus on the whole person, not just the symptoms. And her practice focuses on hormone balancing, anti-aging, acne and other skin conditions, mental health, and acute routine illness. And her passion for medicine stems from her own life in her own family as a wife, a mother of four children, as a native Arizonan. She also enjoys hiking, spending time with her family, practicing yoga and healthy cooking. So Dr. Chris, we got a little background on you here. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy you're with us. I'm happy to be here. I love talking with you. Yeah. So this will be fun. I, I think in terms of the landscape of our conversation today, I really want to pick your brain on some of the things you believe to be very true about women's health, particularly women's health after 50. Um, and I'd like to take a wide range of topics here, certainly including how yoga can be incorporated into a healthy lifestyle. So we can encourage people to check out our Fit Mother Yoga program that you created for our community, but also just so we can dial in even more on nutrition, exercise, mindset, et cetera. So let's kind of like kick it off with this initial question. Um, what do you think are the biggest challenges or myths that are facing women today, particularly women over 50, as they're trying to like live healthier, look and feel younger. And it's kind of a confusing, conflicting landscape. Like what's problematic? What are some myths? And like, let's start there. I think one of the most difficult things for women, and I speak both as a professional from my profession and also as somebody that lives it, <laughs> which is kind of nice. Um, I think one of the most difficult things that we uh, face is that we think we should be what we were. In other words, like you'll talk to somebody and maybe, you know, all the time when, when these, when women are looking into your site and looking into your program, I, I, they think about, oh, my ideal weight and, and what I need to be. And all that is what I was when I was 30 or what I was when I was 35, or maybe when you're 55, it's when I was 40. Um, all of those things are not necessarily true. It's giving yourself grace and understanding that you are going to be the best version of yourself where you are right now. And that's something that I always like to impart on my patients. Now, it doesn't mean that you're like giving up or you're like, well, forget it. You know, I'm 40 or I'm 45 or I'm 50 or 55. It just means that um, you're going to find the best place for you right now in terms of being the healthiest version of yourself, whatever that might be. And so I like to start with that and then move forward into some of the other areas that we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. That's really beautiful. I, I think it's like, for me, that seems like we're starting on like a mental, emotional, even like spiritual plane of like assessing ourselves, having like grace in the fact that things are constantly changing 
And, and I guess like, as it relates to our body dimension, like what, what are the new targets? And maybe I'll ask you specifically in your life, like what were the new relationships that you formed with your body, your health, vitality, beauty, whatever, however you relate to yourself in your forties versus your fifties and, mm-hmm. and so on. Yeah. I mean, it's such a good question because I mean, as you read in the bio, I taught group fitness since like 1988 was when I was the first certified. So I literally lived that and it felt like I lived in a particular body for most of my life. And then I ended up having four babies, four pregnancies, um, and just moving through life thinking that I'm eating the same for the most part. I'm exercising the same for the most part. Why am I not the same? Well, the reason you're not the same is because your body really isn't physiologically the same. Your needs do change. As you age, your needs change. And specifically as regarding fitness, um, your needs change. Like you might be able to go and do a, a ginormous amount of cardio because that feels good and you love it, especially women that are runners. It's really hard to kind of change that mindset and say, look, running was fantastic, perhaps when you were younger. And now you maybe do it for fun. I literally tell my women, look, go, go, go for a nice run twice a day, twice a week. That'd be great. But otherwise we need to focus a little bit more on muscle building. We need to focus a little bit more on, um, changing your diet. So maybe has a little bit more protein than you used to, or be accepting of the way your body is changing physiologically and be ready to move into those roles that are going to help with your, the, the changes in your body, the, the lifestyle changes that are going to have to happen with the physiological changes. And those physiological changes are usually hormonally related, which happens to be my big wheelhouse. And, you know, dealing with some of those hormone changes is why we have to change our nutrition and why we have to change our fitness routines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a beautiful answer. And I, I think just a really nice restatement of what you mentioned before, but with also the emphasis on this hormonal underlying current and change that happens. And I do want to spend a good amount of our conversation diving into some of your thoughts, philosophies, and truths you've experienced clinically on how to help women maximize their hormones through nutrition, exercise, supplementation, and medical intervention. Mm-hmm. And But I want, to, I want to table that for one second. And I guess mention again, this idea of like acceptance and even mm-hmm. kind of like surrender I mm-hmm. think these are like really important themes that keep on coming up that at a certain point we must we must like lay down stuff that was potentially our normal or our target at the time. Mm-hmm. We must create new targets and some of those might be like now understanding the importance of muscle building so now strength training might become a bigger thing. But also like how do we find new things that excite us because we still want to feel like we're maybe we're not hitting our best time ever running but like we're still wanting to create some kind of like target or something to aim for. And so for you personally, what is the recalibration? Is it, is it just being really consistent? Is it, is it pushing yourself to learn new skills? Is it deepening old practices? Like what is giving you the energy of new while still also accepting the changes and maybe even like in a certain sense, some limitations that are a natural part of getting older? I love that question because not only do I, I work with my patients on that, but that is truly a personal spot for me. Um, and, and I think the key is to take what you love and, and tweak it. And what I mean by that is let's Mm -hmm. say you're a big cycle fan. Like you, you love doing cycle classes. You think that's, um, just really fun and it gives you energy and, and it's fun. You like music, blah, 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 whatever it is. Um, how can you tweak that so that you're more in a muscle building state, even though you're doing a giant cardio workout versus this maybe go hard cardio, you know, go, go, go kind of workout from before. And this happened to me because a friend of mine teaches cycle. I love it. It's lots of fun, but I'm like, I can't do this because we only have so much time in our day. We all can relate to that. 
um, we're really busy. Uh, it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. You have personal parts of your life. You have your business part of your life and we have everything we want to do. So we have a, a, a small portion that we can dedicate to our, our fitness routine and our exercise. So we take our class that we always have loved and maybe in a cycle class, instead of writing at a level that you're used to uh, an eight, a nine, a 10, whatever it might be, which is more like a sprint cycle. How about you increase your tension? How about you increase your tension and you take down the level that you're writing, you, the speed at which you're writing. And now you're, you're working at more of a muscle building, um, capacity, especially for that mm-hmm. lower body. And this is just an example that you can take the things that you love already that give you energy and tweak them so that they fit into the physiological, physiological space that you're in, like you needing to build a little bit more muscle as we get older. So I think that's probably one of the biggest pieces yeah. of advice. And, and then the other thing is, I mean, I've always done yoga, so that's easy for me because it, it's something that spans the lifetime, but practices change. Maybe mm-hmm. when you're younger, you're doing a, a much harder, more, um, not harder. I hate to use that word for yoga, but more challenging workout. That's got even the use of weights or something like that in it. As we age, you know, you need to, we need to de-stress because that's the way that we're going to reduce our cortisol and really help some of that, that body shape change. So, you know, spending a little bit more time in the meditation place would be, would be helpful. So I think that's, that's kind of one of the things that I've done personally and what I suggest professionally. Yeah. That's really beautiful. And I think it comes down to then the qualities that make it possible for you to pull off this graceful transition that you're talking about are awareness and creativity, mm-hmm. like awareness and acceptance and these kinds of like soft, soft qualities that life naturally teaches us, whether we like it or not. And mm-hmm. then creativity is like the, still the fun new energy you bring in on how to tweak things and then make it very relevant to your goals. Yeah. So we mentioned muscle building a few times and I'd like maybe that let's, let's use muscle building as a a way to kind of guide into this conversation about hormones changes, particularly in the late forties into the fifties and sixties. Why is muscle building so important during that time? And then let's springboard into the conversation on hormonal changes and everything we can do to also ride that wave with grace and optimize as we age too. Sure. I think that, um, as women, we start our journey out in our body image thinking thinner is better, no matter what. Skinner the better. And I, you know, you can never be too rich or too thin. And I, I hate those, those things. I hate, hate that in society, but it is the truth. And when I say that, I'm sure every woman listening is like, yep, uh-huh, heard it, done it, thought it. Right. So now we have to shift, we shift our perspective at, at some point because like that's not even realistic. We begin to realize that as we mature, we understand that not to be true. And then, but we don't know what to do about that. Like, we, how, what does that mean? Like, how does that look? And when we talk about more having to have more muscle tissue, first of all, anytime we have a, a greater muscle tissue, it's going to help with our metabolism. And the metabolism is what is going to change the most as we age, right? As we, as our, as our estrogen, especially starts to deplete, that's our metabolic mover for women, estrogen. I mean, testosterone also helps in terms of building muscle for obviously for men and us and for women too, but estrogen is our metabolic mover. So as estrogen will peak and valley and peak and valley and perimenopause, and then just basically valley (laughs) in menopause, it, it, Mm -hmm. it does affect our ability to burn and metabolize fat. And we end up with fat in places we don't want, and it's not comfortable for us. So the more muscle tissue we bring on board, the more we can kind of offset that metabolic change that comes with a depletion in estrogen. So there you go. Nice. I mean, great reasons. And I mean, we all like outside of the thin discussion, I guess we all want to, we have some desire to look good or we have some kind of idea of what for our bodies uniquely is like moving towards. And then your body becomes a lot more shapely when you do build muscle. And I can attest certainly from our fit mother community, it is very possible to build a noticeable and even life-changing amount of muscle in your fifties. Even if you haven't strength trained now, you need to be dialed in on some of these factors, like the nutrition, the type of training supplementation. So can you get into some of the lifestyle factors, like the stuff that you recommend that your patients, your clients, and even yourself do relating the basics of just good, healthy living, sleep, exercise, nutrition, supplementation. Let's get into the lifestyle of 
how do we optimize our hormones in our muscle, particularly around perimenopause and menopause, postmenopause? It is super difficult in perimenopause and menopause um, lifestyle-wise because physiologically your body is changing and it's not giving you the cues that it kind of did before. And what I mean by that is, um, let's take, for example, sleep. Sleep is of the utmost importance. Um, it is where we have cellular turnover. It is where our, me- our metabolism resets. It's 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 good. For, it's important for the psyche. It's important for the recovery. Everything. It's one hundred percent in my um, patient base and in my life. I think sleep is super important. If you don't track it, if you don't have a way to record it, I, I always encourage that. So number one, sleep. Sleep can be affected by the depletion in hormones, especially progesterone. So. As we move and progesterone depletes early in perimenopause. And so in the 40s, we see those sleep changes. And if you're just like, oh my gosh, what is happening? I used to sleep so fine and now I'm not. So doing everything you can short of replacing progesterone with bioidentical progesterone, which is another conversation, but short of that, what can you do to increase your sleep? Changing your circadian rhythm and keeping a a system for sleep is super important. So it's keeping a regular schedule, making sure you're in bed by 9.30 or 10, making sure if you get up early, it's even before that, trying to get that seven hours. And not everybody's the same, but I will tell you that almost everybody needs at least seven hours of sleep to work at your optimal level. doesn't mean that every night needs to be that way, but on the average. So, you know, keeping that routine, that sleep routine on, and and everybody really knows how to create that, right? Your dark room, your cool room, especially as you're getting, as you're in perimenopause and menopause, you get very sweaty at night, which is another thing we don't love to talk about, but it's true. And so keeping that cool room, that dark room, um, taking away those electronics at least 30 minutes before, you know, many of those meditation before sleep, super important. Um, and then in terms of your nutrition, obviously shifting your nutrition and making sure it continues to be a priority for you. We have a tendency to just let that go. A lot of women do, but, you know, making sure that that nutrition is at utmost importance and, you know, the protein shift is important, making sure you're choosing. I always tell women what, you know, whatever you're deciding to eat in that day, start with protein and then move on, (laughs) start with it. And it doesn't have to be chicken. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) you know, what are some things you like Mm -hmm. to eat? And let's pick those things that have protein in it. Like just write them down. I don't even care what it is. Just write everything down you like to eat. And then we'll start filling in what of those things are protein. And then we're going to put those first. That's the first thing. In terms of exercise lifestyle wise, you know, what do you like to do? We already talked about that a little bit. What do you like to do? you're never, if you say I'm going to get up at five and exercise because that's what I'm just going to do. If you're not a morning person, you don't love getting up at five. And basically you shouldn't force yourself to get up before your circadian really, really rhythm really wants you to, because that's going to force the fat storage as well. Um, so, you know, don't do it at early in the morning. I mean, while we know there's some research that tells us that might be a good time, I don't care. Do it after work. If that's what feels better for you, pick a time, whatever you like, pick it and do it. Try to do it six times a week. It doesn't have to be like a kill yourself kind of situation. Something you love. So in terms of sleep, in terms of nutrition, in terms of exercise, those are really the basics. And then the last thing is, you know, stay connected, stay connected to your people, to your community, to your friends. If you are transitioning from late forties, mid fifties, now you might be in this, what empty nest kind of situation that I'm moving in and out of all the time. And I say in and out, cause if you're there, you know what I'm talking about. They're in college, then they're home, then they're not working. And then they're home again. <laughs> but mostly it's a, it's a big transition and it can be very exciting, but it can be very scary. So reconnecting with the people that are important to you and staying connected with those people also just make you happier, which makes you healthier in the, in the end. Mm -hmm. Great, great, like big picture summary of the things that are important to focus on. And I think I appreciated that you basically gave 
one or two things in each of those categories, because I think for some people it can be really overwhelming when you consider all the different things you can do. But we know we've heard this whole 80-20 principle where there's 20% of the things you can do that drive 80% of the results. And it sounds like in your understanding and life experience that if you do everything you can to optimize your sleep, you eat a high protein meal, you slot in exercise where you where it feels joyful for you mm-hmm. and ideally the right circadian time and the kind you love and you stay connected to your close relationships so that your heart is in your life and it's also helping balance your nervous system with good connections you do those things that's going to drive the vast majority of the results mm-hmm. and i think that's really powerful to hear so i mean like those are the big rocks now maybe we dive into just fill in on on a little bit more on, are there any kind of like, when it comes to nutrition, so I, people listening to this are very passionate about nutrition. They're passionate Mm -hmm. about figuring out their nutrition, continuously learning about their bodies. They're no stranger to the high protein breakfast, whether that's eggs, overnight oatmeal, protein shake, something like that. Are there other nutrients or things to focus on or to mm-hmm. avoid that are particularly good for helping support hormonal health. And this could even be the opportunity to throw in specific ingredients or nutrients or roots or herbs that also are helpful. Just things that you recommend ladies get into their bodies that are good hormone balancing, energy supporting things. So a couple of things um, come to mind. First of all, maca. Maca's a root. <clears throat> And it comes in mostly in a powder form. Mock is something that I talk to women a lot about, um, really almost at any age, any, any, any age, really over 35, even in the thirties. But as we age too, it can increase estrogen and testosterone. It was known as a fertility herb. And now we use it really just to kind of soft increase those, those, um, hormones and, and really kind of balance them out. This is kind of an overriding thing that can go into your shake. If you're going to have it, um, it could even be stirred into any drink that you're going to have. Um, and I, I do love maca. It's a good powder. It's a good thing to way to raise hormones overall. There are specific nutrients and specific foods that I recommend for specific hormones. For instance, um, there's a well-known program called seed cycling that I've used with women who are still menstruating to help increase estrogen at the right time of their cycle, and then to increase progesterone at the right time of the cycle. Essentially, without getting super complicated, the beginning of the cycle needs a little bit more estrogen. Things that are estrogenetic, and I don't mean like bad, like bad estrogenetic things, and I mean bad in terms of detrimental, are detrimental things, are things like plastics and environmental toxins. That that that's what we avoid. Those are the things we will avoid. But there are things, herbs and um plants and things like that out there, botanicals that are what we call phytoestrogenic. They balance estrogen. Those in particular in the seed world are flaxseed and pumpkin seed. Flaxseed and pumpkin seed. So those things are used to increase estrogen. And if you are, even if you're in a perimenopausal situation where you're not quite sure where your cycle is, and if you're postmenopausal, these seeds are still good to incorporate in your life. So those would be in the form of on a salad, in a shake, sprinkling into a, a stir fry on top of a stir fry, any of those things, a little, a tablespoon of pumpkin seed and a tablespoon of flax seed either in the first half of your cycle, if you're menstruating or all the time, if you're not menstruating anymore, will help balance estrogen. On the other side of the coin, when you talk about progesterone, progesterone is the hormone that I love to talk about in terms of de-ruffling feathers. It decreases anxiety. It helps with sleep. It's the first thing that kind of we notice as a depletion in women in their mid forties. And uh, when you come in and you're, you can't sleep anymore, it's usually because we haven't, we've lost some progesterone. So what do we do? Seed wise, sesame seed, sunflower seeds. And these are not like go to the ballpark, get your handful of sunflower seeds and eat them like that. We're talking about organic, not salted, just raw sunflower seeds and sesame seeds, a tablespoon of each. Again, those can be incorporated into your daily life if you're perimenopausal or menopausal, or in the second half of your cycle, 
if you're still menstruating. So these are some really great food opportunities in the terms of seeds that, that directly affect your hormones. And then the maca powder in terms of increasing hormones overall. Um, there's a whole program that I've talked to patients about, and that is one of my broadcasts and one of my podcasts, it's called, um, not see, it's called cycle syncing, which I think is a confusing term, but whatever. <laughs> what it means is that there are particular foods that you eat and particular things you can do in terms of exercise that will help throughout your cycle. And I would say the basis of those things are making sure that nutrient-wise, you're building up in the first half of your cycle. You're basically building a uterine lining. So you're building up your strength. And so that's the time when you will be doing um, probably a little bit more meat products if you eat them um, and even some more hearty or cardio, um, carbohydrate products. And then the second half of your cycle, you're starting to get ready for the sloughing process and the relaxation process. So you slow down your exercise a little bit more. Um, you still exercise, but not as hard. And then your foods will increase will be more light foods and a little bit more calming foods. So we make sure not to take down, we incorporate those seeds I talked about and maybe a little bit more magnesium, a little bit B, more B mm-hmm. vitamins and um, getting ready for that sloughing. So those are yeah. just some of the particular food products that we talk about. That was really cool. And I'm thinking about like ways to make that really practical for our fit mothers who are listening to this. And I suppose if someone is in a ritual of doing a morning protein power green smoothie, mm-hmm. you could just include a couple of those different oils in the first half versus the second half. Or if you are a peri or postmenopausal, just maca all the mm-hmm. way through. And mm-hmm. the reason why maca is something that's often better as a powder versus in capsules is because you need a good amount of it. Yeah. Like maybe like a you know, two teaspoons to a tablespoon. And that's just like a lot to throw in capsules unless you want to have like a ton of capsules, but you know, that's neither here nor there, but just something to consider why it's maca is often a powder. And then I guess if someone's in the habit of doing green salad kind of things, you could totally do the kind of seeds. Like you could have pumpkin seeds in the first part of it. And then, you know, with some flax and on the second half, you could have some sesame or sunflower seeds. Really cool. So I'm just trying to give some people some ideas on how the rubber meets the road with this really good advice. And also the overlying thing theme I'm getting here is that due to the, well, the cyclical nature of the female body, mm-hmm. it's, 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 there's things you can do optimally at certain times, as well as having some grace and intuition when you are feeling shifts that it's okay to slow down in certain phases and it's okay to speed up in certain phases if you're feeling like really crushing it. So it's okay if at some point you feel really fired up to hit those heavy weights, but then later on in the month, if it is really aware in your cycle that it could be better to do something like our fit mother yoga workouts or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I love, you know, I love that you said giving your body grace and and really listening to it. This is this is super. I mean, absolutely one of the things that I talk about every single day. Um just listen to your body. Be intuitive. Understand, always be your best advocate. Those are some of the, those are probably some of my taglines if you will. It's just that, you know, un- mm-hmm. listening to where you are right now, if you, you know, wake up and you're not feeling it and you had a big workout planned, then it, it might be a walk day or it might be if you're tuning into one of the workouts, it might be one of those yoga days and one of those low key yoga days and always listening to to what's right for you. Your body's telling you something. And so trying to listen to it and give it what it needs is always going to be the best. Brilliant. Bet. And you can always eat healthy on those days too. Like you're not feeling it like the fire on a particular day. Mm-hmm. You can still nail your nutrition. Mm -hmm. And I think remember for the purpose of muscle building is like the training is a stimulus Mm -hmm. and you don't need to lift like every day to get muscle building gains. In fact, that'd be counterproductive. It's like having a couple powerful muscle building, stimulating workouts per week, even one, two, three, you know, like as enough of a pulse to get your body to respond. So it's not like you have to be training heavy and hard all the time Mm -hmm. to be making the progress. Like you give a stimulus and your body heals. So That is really cool. I I enjoyed hearing a lot about that. Now, I I have a question like um, the liver. The liver is something we haven't talked a lot about in this podcast, but it's very implicated in hormone metabolism. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. And I also know it's probably a time where a lot of people do things that are not great for their liver. Maybe it's some excessive drinking, or maybe it's just putting a lot of stress on the liver from not having a good, clean lifestyle. There's detoxification that needs to happen. What's the deal with liver health as women age and go through these hormonal changes? What can you suggest and maybe even just speak into the importance of the liver generally? Oh, I, it's almost embarrassing that you brought that up and I didn't bring it up because (laughs) it really is the basis for really my hormone 101 talk, you know, hormones really, let's get into it. When I talk about hormones, I talk about the basis of your hormone is your gut health and your detox pathways. That's it. Second level is your adrenals. Mm -hmm. The third level is your thyroid, then your sex hormones, and then vitamin D. This is kind of like this upward step word, Mm -hmm. step um, pyramid, if you will. Can you say that one more time? Because I think that was a really powerful framework. I just want you to repeat and then go into it. But like, give us the pyramid one more time, just so people really internalize these different layers of foundations. So gut health and liver, and then- So that's your base. So that's your base. So that's your big part. That's your gut health and your li- and your detox organs or liver. The next level up are your adrenals, adrenal glands. The next level up is your thyroid. The next level up are your sex hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. And then at the very tippy top, I put vitamin D. So okay. you can see that this is a, it, it is a triangle. The very teeny piece at the top is vitamin D. Mm -hmm. Then it's the sex hormones and it's the thyroid, adrenals, the very bottom, thyroid, adrenals, and very bottom is your gut and detox organs. The reason I put this, this pyramid together was because I want people to understand how important all of these things are, how they work together in order to create um, and take care of your hormones. Cause people ask me, you know, I don't understand why my hormones are just, I feel terrible. I'm sure it's my hormones. I'm like, okay, your hormones don't deserve to get all the, <laughs> all the bad press, right? It's everything. And we have to start at the beginning. So we start mm-hmm. at the gut, we start at those detox organs. And so you're exactly right. The, the detox, we become pretty toxic as we move through life. And it it may or may not be any of our Mm -hmm. actual cause, but we're breathing the toxic air every day. We're driving a car, we're going on airplanes, we're drinking out of plastic, we're eating out of plastic, we're eating foods that are not organic. And, And I'm not telling you you have to live this most amazingly perfect lifestyle. We were born with a liver as a major detox organ and it works well. We just need to support it. That's all. So what I generally encourage is the first thing we have to do is make sure we're detox. So if somebody comes in, especially between the ages of 40 and 55, I'm like, okay, tell me what's going on with your gut. Are you having regular bowel movements or are you constipated or, you know, are you, do you have reflux? Is something, you know, do you always feel nausea? All of these things are indicators. So if we're particularly talking about the detox piece, there are, of course, commercially available detox programs you can do. And there's some that I like and some I encourage. But if you're going to look back into, go into the basics, there are certainly um, ways, even detox teas that have some of the dandelion and some of those Mm -hmm. nettles, the things that the herbs that are important for detoxing are in those, or there's even more basic, there's warm water, like, you know, six ounces of warm water with about a quarter of a lemon squeezed into it first thing in the morning, every day, Mm -hmm. that's going to help get you going. Um, there are Epsom salt baths. Who doesn't want to take an Epsom salt bath? I mean, come on. And don't tell me you don't take baths because if you don't take baths, you need to. And don't tell me you remodeled your bathroom and took your bathtub out. Don't ever do that. (laughs) Your bathtub is one of the most therapeutic things in your house. Please don't do that. Um, But Epsom salt baths um, will help with detox. Doing any sort of sauna therapy, especially infrared sauna, or doing hot cold therapy with a cold plunge. These are all Mm -hmm. things, anytime you sweat, living in Arizona is a great thing. Um, but living in other yeah. parts of the country, especially if there's humid heat, that's kind of cool. Cause then you really are getting a good, a good detox and you're not drying out. 
but sweating is a detox for your, for your detox organs. So these are Mm -hmm. basic, but you don't have to have a fancy detox program to detox literally and support your organ, your liver every day. And that's probably one of the most basic pieces of advice I have at this point. Love it. Love it. And, and, um, and on the gut health perspective, Mm -hmm. like what, what are the important aspects of that for you and your, your understanding and your protocols? Is it like supplements, supplements or certain Mm -hmm. foods? Is it probiotics? Are we getting short chain fats? Like what does someone need to focus on to make their gut health better? I would say making sure your microbiome is intact. And what that means is the bugs that are living Mm -hmm. in your gut are happy. Um, and there's enough good ones to meet, to eat the bad ones. <laughs> Remember I had four kids. So sometimes mm-hmm. my level of conversation doesn't get above that, but I would say, you know, yes, I, I, a good probiotic is important and there's about a million on the market. Um, so we talk about, you know, are you somebody that needs to focus a little bit more on yeast eating bacteria or bacterial eating bacteria, or do you need a good combination of both? Um, if you take a probiotic, does it make it worse? If that's the case, then we probably have an overgrowth of bacteria and that's a whole nother conversation. So evaluating which probiotic is good for you is important, but I do recommend one. Um, you know, you certainly can eat fermented foods, which is great if you can handle them. Again, some people feel bloated and don't feel well with them, but others feel great with fermented foods, yogurts, kombucha, and sauerkrauts, things like that. That's fine. And I love it if it feels good for you. The second thing is I generally will recommend an enzyme if I feel like digestion is just not working where it should be right away. We do a lot of things to stop the acid in our stomach and stop the acid in our system, which we need that Mm -hmm. acid. So a lot of times I'll bring, even if it's as simple as as apple cider vinegar, I'll bring that in, or we might use a commercially available um, enzyme, digestive enzyme. We have to eat the right foods, digest our foods, keep the, the gut flora happy, keep it healthy, and then be able to get rid of the waste products. If we're not doing that whole circuit, (laughs) every day, then it's going to be really hard to get the proper nutrition and to keep our weight, um, the, at the place where it needs to be. Nice. I mean, totally makes sense. And it's super aligned with a lot of the things, practices, and habits that our fit mothers are going through. And I'm glad that you mentioned specifically like the probiotics enzymes and some prebiotic like fiber to help keep the gut happy. Like mm-hmm. this is why we, when we made our fit mother super fuel protein, we threw in a bunch of like super greens, superfoods. We also threw in probiotics, enzymes, the protein. So to make it convenient for everyone to get these things early in the morning. And it's really nice to hear the validation from your clinical experience that these are like the key things. Oh yeah. Now we have this like big wide pyramid as we kind of go up here. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think next above this, I believe we may have had adrenals and mm-hmm. I, I don't want to like this. We, we could be a whole day's workshop on this with you going through each of these. So I know there's a lot to kind of go through, but I suppose I, I want to actually, before we go into adrenals and stuff like that, I'd like to jump to the top of the pyramid and make it a heavy hitter and talk about vitamin D for a little bit and how that's an important vitamin, but really also like a hormone regulator yes. to why that's so important, particularly mm-hmm. for women as they age. So let's go there. Cause I think that's a clear cut uh, action item from that. I think it's interesting. Women will come into my office here in Arizona and be like, well, I don't need vitamin D. I live in the sun. I'm like, do you wear sunscreen? Oh yeah, I wear sunscreen. Okay. Then you probably need vitamin D. <laughs> It's kind of like, it's kind of like a catch 22, but you know, there's, there are several genes that, um, in our system that will convert vitamin D from the sun in, into the vitamin D that our body needs. There's several places in that conversion process that could be, um, not right. You know, we have little snips and they're just not working properly. So even though many of us might spend a decent amount of time outdoors, um, and even if you spend that 10 to 15 minutes without sunscreen on in order to get the vitamin D, it it may not be converted properly. So most of us do need vitamin D. You'll see on a scale of 
in a lab order, which is a whole nother conversation when you get labs back and how those, those numbers really are <laughs> not appropriate, but it'll say, oh, the value should be somewhere between, you know, 30 and a hundred or whatever. And people will be like, oh, I'm right at 30. I'm good. Or I'm 25. And we need that number to be a little higher, probably 60, 70, even 80 in order to get out of vitamin D, what we need. And so what do we need out of vitamin D and what does it do for us? Obviously it helps with our immune system. We all know that. Um, and that's important, but you know, vitamin D also, it's actually, it's almost been qualified as a a hormone in some places you'll see it qualified as a hormone, which I find really interesting, but Um, vitamin D also can be monumental in terms of mental health. Um, many times when I have patients in my office that I just don't feel like me anymore, which is kind of like the standard line I hear every time somebody comes into my office. Um, I'll, when we fix all of these things, we talk about all these things. They're still just like, meh, I don't feel it. I'm not feeling it. I'm just so depressed. I don't feel well. Nine times out of 10, their vitamin D is low. It is it is a very important factor yeah. in mental health. And then it is also a very important factor in your thyroid and how your thyroid works. The conversion of T4, which is kind of like raw thyroid material, to T3, which is like your metabolic mover, requires a healthy v- yeah. amount of vitamin D. So now vitamin D is also being involved in your thyroid and how your well your thyroid works. Right. So it is it is it is a heavy hitter. It that's why it gets top of the row king tut because if it isn't there, you're we're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really well said. And like it's it's um everyone's talking so much about vitamin D because it's so important and I would say my take was if you haven't had your levels tested in at least on a yearly basis, mm-hmm. like get it checked at your next blood work. It's like can be done pretty easily with a simple blood draw and seasonally your needs may change. So maybe mm-hmm. you are the person that gets outside and has enough sunshine at a certain time, but in the winter time, maybe it's not possible and you do need to up your supplementation, but either way, peg some data to it, get tested. Seems like a really simple high yield thing that everyone can do and work on those D levels. Yeah. And now I guess I want to back into a little bit of the adrenals, mm-hmm. um, just, just because especially in post-menopause, you know, when we're not getting all these ovarian hormones now, um, mm-hmm. we have to rely on the adrenals a lot more to produce stuff for us. And the adrenals are also super implicated in our stress response. And mm-hmm. many of us have a lot of that in our lives. So what can people do to support adrenal health? Outside of a let's be mindful, but maybe part of the answer is let's do more yoga and restorative practices to balance the nervous system. If there are things we can do on more of a nutritional and supplementation aspect to support and maximize adrenal output and function? Absolutely. Um, first of all, I think the most important thing I would want everybody to understand is how those adrenal glands are directly tied in to the hormones, yes, the ovarian um, hormones go away and then we're left with the adrenals to try to help. Really in women, the only hormone that the adrenals can provide for us is a little bit of testosterone. So on their own, that's really all Mm -hmm. they can do, but they are critical in, in that they provide cortisol like we were talking about. They keep you going, right? It's important. You need it when you exercise. You need it to live. You need cortisol. It's very important. Um, when you're under a lot of stress, however, too much cortisol is put out. And if too much cortisol gets put out and the adrenal glands just shut down because they're just maxed out, like I don't, I can't do this anymore. I'm too tired. The adrenals go look for support. And that's why the adrenals are on the bottom. And then you see thyroid and then you see sex hormones at the top. Your adrenal glands actually can ask for help from your sex hormones, primarily progesterone and in some cases, testosterone. And then cool, your body works great. Your progesterone can be biochemically converted back into that cortisol, which is great because now you have more cortisol and is bad because now your hormones are completely out of balance and estrogen's just left to fend for itself, which is never a good thing. So now you don't have any progesterone. And if you're menstruating, that's why your cycles get off when you are under stress. So now that we know that, Mm -hmm. Um, in order to, you know, nutrients wise, when it comes to adrenal support, probably my number one favorite herb of all time is ashwagandha. Number one, it's really fun to say, right? Ashwagandha. And number two, um, (laughs) it is, um, a balancing herb. 
So it's called an adaptogen, which means that it's going to go in. And if your cortisol seems to be a little high or it seems to be a little low, it's going to basically balance that. And it's something that you can take in the morning or you can take in the evening and it may affect people differently. I will warn you that. Um, But overall, it's going to balance your adrenals. So that's a great one. Um, If I don't know where you're at, uh, that's the first one we recommend. Secondly, my second heavy hitter is another herb called rhodiola. Rhodiola is more of a, what I would call a stimulating, okay? Stimulating for your adrenal. So if you're really tired, we might recommend a supplement that definitely has rhodiola in it um, or another one called glyceriza. So these guys, these two are very, can be very stimulating, but when you're kind of tired and your adrenals are kind of shot, they feel really, really good. The other um, nutrient that gets mm-hmm. needs a little bit of attention here is some of the functional mushrooms. The functional mushrooms that are out there now, especially lion's mane, cordyceps, and there's a lot of um, f- functional mushroom combinations that will really help your adrenal glands as well. So that's that's kind of an herb thing. On the other side, nutrient-wise, we our, our adrenal glands love vitamin C, love it. They love mm-hmm. magnesium. And they love fatty acids. Mm -hmm. So of those particular things, your citrus, your um, fatty fishes, and I mean, short of doing a magnesium supplement, it's kind of, you know, you'd have to get good soil to grow your veggies and to get your magnesium. But those on a nutritive level are the things that we recommend for your adrenal glands, but super important little, little walnut shaped situation sitting on top of your kidneys. We love them. Yeah. And this all ties together. I just want to continue to draw parallels. We're talking about the seed cycling and the fatty acids. Mm -hmm. So this idea of whether it's a shake or the salad, the salad is going to have a lot of things in there that have some vitamin C in there as well. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you certainly seeds can have a a good amount of zinc and magnesium in them too, if you get the right kinds of things. I know pumpkin seeds will have some zinc and some mag in them too, which is cool. Yes, Uh, And it's just kind of all tying together here Mm -hmm. on how it's just like, it's one overarching plan. So if you get a couple of these things in place, a lot of these pieces fall together. Mm-hmm. And I think this is actually a nice transition point as we're kind of getting to the tail end of this conversation mm-hmm. to talk a little more about yoga, because mm-hmm. yoga is one of these unique forms of exercise that I think is like good for your circulation, good for your connective tissues, but it's also very balancing on this domain of like the nervous system and the adrenals, which kind of makes it like uniquely good. Like you could go to a high intensity interval training session, which may actually make your body output more cortisol, Mm -hmm. more adrenaline. And like there's benefit to high intensity, but there's also benefit to like this restorative kind of exercise that taps in super deep. So please speak into the power of yoga as a unique type of exercise for the purposes of balancing the body, supporting adrenal health, et cetera. Yoga gives you the opportunity both to strengthen your body and you're using your own body weight so you can strengthen you. So you're building muscle and you're strengthening functionally top to bottom in the core. Every, every aspect of your body is becoming stronger just by holding your own body weight up. Um, you can move through your poses, even at a level that will elevate your heart rate slightly, obviously more than just sitting, probably to a level of walking or slightly less than that. So you're getting a lower intensity cardiovascular workout it you know as long as you're doing a yoga flow type program and the the beautiful thing is is that when you're in a sympathetic mode which you are when you're even when you're doing yoga you're increasing your heart rate and you're you're moving your blood around and you're increasing your blood pressure and and all those things are happening you're increasing your respiration so you are having uh, some cardiac output as soon as that happens your body immediately wants to shift into parasympathetic mode. It wants to relax. It really wants to. So in a yoga program, a a comprehensive yoga program or class, at the end, you will have that shavasana or you will have that time that you can just lay down and breathe. And breath work in and of itself Mm -hmm. is both strengthening for the abdominal muscles and of course, 
relieves all kinds of stress. There's all kinds of research in, in breath work, obviously. So then that brings in that parasympathetic um, mode there. So you get this great balance of, I'm going to get a, um, a kind of a moderate work exercise in really good strength training. And then I'm going to do a relaxation and a time to kind of allow myself to reco- recover and recuperate as well as, you know, getting myself into that uh, rest and digest stage of life and in the mode, which mm-hmm. is always good um, to counteract our cortisol output of exercise. So I, I do think it's the most perfect kind of exercise to implement into anybody's exercise routine for sure. That was like a beautiful answer. And I think it's like really poetic too. And also knowing how you designed the five yoga workouts inside the Fit Mother Yoga program. Mm-hmm. They all start with an initial phase of becoming centered mm-hmm. and present with the breath and checking in. And then they go into a more active middle part. And then they all end again with this breath work and connection to reestablish the parasympathetic. And so it's like you almost take the whole body and the nervous system on this journey from presence, connection, parasympathetic into more activity and then back down to parasympathetic. And one of the things that struck me as you were saying this is it it kind of like mirrors our natural life experience and trajectory. Like mm-hmm. we start off in this like this as, as babies, even in the womb, right? In mm-hmm. this like rest, grow, digest, relaxed. And then as our life goes on into a peak with kids and careers, we get more active. And then on this back part, we actually are kind of invited through the bodies and through this, this slowing down of our careers to move into more of this rest and digest. And it's like yoga workout seems like it's like a microcosm of this like macrocosm cycle. And yeah. maybe I'm pushing that too far, but for me, I think that seems kind of like a beautiful little symbol in it. No, I, I think it's a symbol. It's even a symbol of our daily life, right? You, you, you're sleeping at night, you wake up in the morning, you're right. moving to a peak and then it comes into the evening time we're coming down and then we're back into our night. That's, that's, that's a rhythm. It's a rhythm of life. So it's a rhythm of the day. It, our life is a rhythm. The, the moon cycles are a rhythm when it comes to menstrual cycles. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, the whole thing, I mean, yeah, we could probably get pretty naturopathic together. So we probably should yeah. stop that. So it's all, but it's all a rhythm, right? right? It's yeah. rhythm. Rhythmic cycles is yes. the, is a fact of nature's patterns. Yeah. It's, love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's also interesting is maybe even a two to one ratio of like parasympathetic to sympathetic. What I mean mm-hmm. by that is I think we're, we're very biased right now in our current culture towards constantly being jacked up, very stimulated, high demands where mm-hmm. actually nature's cycles may be more in line with actually more of a predominance of rest and only certain kinds of activity. And so yoga seems perfect for that. I love it. And I want to say another interesting thing about your kind of yoga, as I got to witness in the creation of the Fit Mother Yoga program, is it's really fun. Like you do, you bring in like your group fitness stuff, because there's even like the yoga fusion workout that has like little dumbbells and weights mm-hmm. in yoga postures. So like speak to that, because I don't, I think there's many people who have preconceived notions of what yoga is. And I'd love for you to kind of describe some of your different yoga practices and types of yoga flows that you like, whether they're the with the weights or maybe more relaxed styles, maybe more heart centered in interior ones. Please kind of give us a little gamut for those that haven't seen the Fit Mother Yoga program yet on some of your approaches to the actual instruction in a class structure. Yeah, I think I have a a unique outlook on yoga in general because I came from group fitness, right? I I've done, you know, everything from oh gosh, like straight up hardcore cardio on concrete floors back in the early in the 80s, um all the way through to, you know, step aerobics and strength and blah 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 and all that. And then when my body was like, okay, woo okay, we need to take a minute. This isn't going to work anymore where you have low back issues. Then I kind of look to yoga and thinking, oh, well, yoga is going to be this nice strength um, and stretch program. Well, that's fine. But as we were alluding to before, I was, I've always been kind of this go, go, go kind of person. And I'm like, "Mm, this is kind of boring. And that's the first thing I hear from people. I don't want to do yoga. It's going to be too boring and it's too easy. And I can't sit still for long enough. And whoop, okay, you need to try this. And I design my programs, even in my classes that I teach on a regular basis, um, for almost for that 
that idea in that if I have one hour, I want to get a little extra strength. So I bring some little weights in there and I might want to get a little extra core stability. So I do a little bit more planks, um, but I still need to stretch and I still need to relax. So that's the idea behind the fusion flow, a little bit longer class, a little bit more bringing Mm -hmm. in some light weights if you want to. And it's probably, it's a, it's a workout. Like it's your day, it's your daily workout. That's it. Um, And then I designed a couple others um, for the fit mother project that are a little bit shorter. There's one that's shorter for recovery, like a 30 minute kind of recovery class. And then there's like, Hey, I only have 20 minutes. What can I do to just kind of energize and get going? And so there's a a shorter one for that, for that, like quickie, like I got 20 minutes, I'm going to, you know, make this happen. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to move on my way. And so if you have only have 20 minutes, you have that, or if you have 45 minutes, more 45 minutes to dedicate, or let's say you have 30 minutes and you don't want to use the weights, but you just want to flow. So there's a lot of options, um, in the different programs. And I think that's what makes this particular, these videos kind of unique for, for the people that are involved in fit mother, but it's also my take on yoga. It should be what you need it to be. And there's a lot of ways to create a class for you, for what your need is today. Cause every day is different. Yeah. Really beautifully said. And I, I think the other aspect of this, that's maybe more intentional with yoga is the fact that we're being very present with the breath. And that's something Mm -hmm. that is like a massive through line in all of your yoga sessions is connecting to the breath, which means effectively connecting to this natural rising and falling rhythm that Mm -hmm. energizes our body with oxygen that's running in the background and adding more awareness to that. And it's just beautiful when people do that. And I think what, what I'll reflect in my life, when I feel like I'm getting really busy and maybe even my bandwidth is taxed and I'm on the I'm on the brink of like overwhelm. It's like, you almost feel like you have like static in the background of, of your mind. And you, you have a lot of things you feel like you need to do, but maybe you even spend 20 minutes, like escaping on your phone or doing something. That's like, you're like, ah, I don't have the time, but you got kind of get in this weird space. I think that yoga is so cool because a 20 minute yoga session even if you're super busy and you don't have time for a full hour of exercise that day, will get you into a particular state in your body, in your nervous system, with your breath, where you're more focused and calm while also being energized and would probably be the best use of 20 minutes in a busy day because it's going to translate to way more peace, productivity, and flow in the rest of your day than just saying, ah, I don't have the time for that, and then going through life feeling more anxious. Can Does that, feel, does that ring true to you? Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, part of my career before going to medical school, of course, was a health coach and I, I was a corporate health coach. So I went to corporations, large corporations here in the Valley, and I would see people individually and help them with, you know, whatever they were working on nutrition, exercise, but a lot of them had me in there teaching yoga at lunchtime. And those, I tell you what, those companies, those corporations were definitely on the four forefront of wellness, because if you spend 20 minutes, even just breathing, but add a little bit of movement to that, you are going to be, your brain will be fully energized. It, because the the oxygen brings blood flow, the more blood flow to your brain, the more clearly you're going to be able to think, and you are going to become much more productive in that afternoon time than had you not done some movement and some breath work. So yeah, no, this is 100 even if you don't have, you know, 20 minutes, if you have five minutes yeah. to, to do a couple of poses that you might see on these videos and with your breath work, it's going to change the pace of your whole afternoon. Mm-hmm. Well said. And I'm excited for everyone who is a part of our fit mother community who has all access or lifetime membership to check out that program. And then in that program, we have links where you can go to Dr. Chris's websites and learn more about everything that she's doing, as well as, of course, there's going to be links in the show notes for all of this, because I'm sure from this that people have some questions and want to learn more and want to connect. So your links will be in the show notes, but is there anything you'd like to share kind of in conclusion here, Chris, as places that you'd like to send people, or of course, just like a word of wisdom to kind of put a nice bow on this conversation. I would just like to say that I think life is all about balance at no matter what age you are. Um, and in obviously my world balance takes a big, 
um, health piece, but health requires balance in, you know, what's going on in your life, in what, what form of exercise and nutrition and healthcare and, and all in your relationships. So as soon as you're not feeling like you, it means something's out of balance and finding somebody to help you figure out where that balance is or what happened to it is going to be kind of the key to your, to your happiness, your health and your happiness. Um, hearing more of, of what I do in the world of hormone management and, you know, aging for the, mostly for women between the ages of 40 and 65 is my podcast, which is get personal with Dr. Chris, but, um, you know, in our practice, but I, I would say mostly just the one thing, if you remember anything at all is it's all about balance. And when something's out of balance, you will know it's out of balance and it's the time to make a change and seek some help. Dr. Chris, thank you so much for coming on today. A beautiful mix of big picture wisdom and a lot of just practical tips. Truly enjoyed this. And I know our fit mothers will too. And there's going to be links to your podcast as well. So if someone is really loving how you're speaking and just learning from you and have gotten value from this, there's going to be links to check out that podcast as well. And I'm grateful you're here with us today. And thank you again for creating this amazing fit mother yoga program for our community. Thank you, Dr. Anthony. I loved doing it and it's always fun to talk to you. So thanks for inviting me. Hey there, my friend. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Fit Mother Project podcast. If you love what you heard, I have a favor to ask you. Please consider taking 60 seconds right now to leave us a rating and review on our podcast. Leaving us a review is super quick. It only takes a minute and it's so, so helpful to us as it really boosts this podcast to reach more people who need this information and this message. If you're listening on Apple Podcast, you can leave us a star rating and review. If you're watching on YouTube, you can hit the like button and leave us a comment. Overall, I truly appreciate you being with us here on the podcast. On behalf of me and my entire Fit Mother Project team, we truly feel honored and grateful to support you and your family on your journey to fantastic health. I thank you for your support of this podcast and of this mission. Also, if you're interested in joining our Complete Fit Mother program and becoming an official member of our community, you can visit our website, fitmotherproject.com. And on the Fit Mother site, you'll be able to see our Complete Fit Mother program along with our online store with the best supplements designed for busy moms. And you'll also find a ton of free resources like recipes, workouts, meal plans, and more. God bless you and your family. This is Dr. Anthony Balduzzi signing off. I'll catch you on the next episodes of the Fit Mother Project podcast.